The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Roto World Football Podcast. Make it four in a row of the most important podcast in the universe. My name is Josh Norris. Today is day four of the NFL Combine. You're most likely listening to this on day five, meaning the defensive tackles and edge rushers will be taking the field today. I think that's with linebackers as well. Today was action packed. We had wide receivers, we had quarterbacks, and we had tight ends. Plus, we got an extra few times and figures from the offensive linemen. So there's a ton of stuff to hit. Let's start off with the absolute positives. My buddy over at 3sigmaathlete.com, Zach Whitman, as I talked about, composite scores are where I look for athletic testing. And what he does is he brings in all of the athletic tests, all seven or all eight, and then factors them with weight. And then that's what you get your athletic score, your composite score. Out of this class, we had a number of wide receivers who separated themselves, really three. Dylan Cantrell out of Texas Tech, DJ Moore out of Maryland, both were in the 97th percentile, and then Cortland Sutton out of SMU in the 86th percentile. Let me put those 97th percentile scores in perspective here. That means they are more athletic Cantrell and more as of right now than 97% of NFL wide receivers dating back for the last 20 years. All are over 210 pounds. Dylan Cantrell turns 24 before the start of the season. DJ Moore, 21, and Colton Sutton will be 22 years old. I haven't watched Dylan Cantrell fully. I know that he's a big body wide receiver, around like 224 pounds, something like that. His Numbers are very similar to Devin Kajust a few years ago out of Stanford. Remember that name? Who was kind of that wide receiver tight end hybrid. He's kind of bounced around team to team to team so far. Maybe Cantrell will do that, but at the very least, it seems like he's going to get drafted. DJ Moore, again, out of Maryland, just 21 years old. DJ Moore checked in at over six feet tall or at just six feet tall earlier this week. I know Dane Brugler has talked him up all during draft season, and it would not be surprising based on these numbers if DJ Moore arrives as the wide receiver one as we move forward in this process, or it slowly trickles in that direction. And then Cortland Sutton, you know that name. I talked about Cortland Sutton with Sigmund Bloom on last week's podcast, that if the pieces align, 
if everything in his game comes together and he continues to progress and achieve what he can do, Cortland Sutton could be the true, the true wide receiver one in this class, meaning the number one option that a passing game can be built around at the NFL level. I also want to mention Jamon Moore and specifically mention that with Cantrell and Jamon Moore, if you just looked at their 40 times, if you just looked at Cantrell's at 4.59 or Jamon Moore's at 4.60, you miss that these guys are top-end athletes. Moore tested in the 81st percentile. And this is what I'm speaking about. This is looking beyond the 40 time to figure out what, what athleticism is, what a true athletic profile is, because the jumps matter and the agility scores matter. And all of that combined with weight gives you the signal that these are high-end athletes. Now, there are a number of receivers that did not complete a full workout. GJ Shark did not complete one. Equinemius St. Brown did not complete one as well. But where they are in their evaluations right now, they're, they're trending up in terms of their athletic profiles. And Shark is someone who, you know, could transform into a Ted Ginn-like role on an NFL team. Vertical receiver underneath and crossing routes as well. And Equinemia St. Brown has that wide receiver one type build. His game is growing. It was much better when Deshaun Kaiser was there than whoever they had on the field this year. So watch St. Brown as the process moves along. Now on the opposite end of the spectrum, we had Alabama's Calvin Ridley. I've talked about him. Many people have talked about him as a consensus top wide receiver in this year's class. There's a lot to like, right? That he creates separation, that he sustains it at pretty much every level of the field. And then he can also win after the catch. His athletic profile was was very poor. Yes, he put out a 4-4-3-40, but as a whole, he tested in just the 7th percentile. And checking in again with Zach Whitman, there has not been a wide receiver with a negative 1, minus 1 sigma, which is around the 15th percentile for athleticism, drafted in the first round. So at this point, if Calvin Ridley does not improve his athletic profile. In the past, the trends point to him also not going in the first round. Now, do I believe that that's going to happen? No, I, I think Calvin Ridley goes in the first round. And I also think his 4-4-3 helps him because the 40 time is the biggest number on a team's player card. And just teams that you know don't have that much of a focus or that much research into athletic testing or just don't believe it and just want to believe solely the tape and that's it, which is perfectly fine, then they'll see that 4-4-3. And that's going to be um, that's going to be fine for them. And also, he's 23 years old. To me, 23 is fine because early on in his career, he was producing as well. You know, he's not entering the league at 24, 25 years old. He's entering it at 23. But but it is something to monitor. And I I, I do want to hype up and promote pro day testing. Right, pro day testing is important. Sometimes we all have a bad day. This isn't my best podcast I've ever done. I'll tell you that. But tomorrow's might be better. Right, the same thing could be said for these pro day times. You know, he might have been tight today. He might not have run it exactly in the same way that he was during training, and that can all change at pro days. And sure, it's not exactly the same, even playing field time by the exact same people. But we shouldn't hold it against them. We should still factor in pro day testing in these composite. And athletic scores. Let's move on to tight ends. Mike Gesicki out of Penn State. You know, the 2017 tight end class as a whole was the most athletic tight end class we've ever seen, right? You had eight to 11 names that were like 82nd percentile and up in terms of athleticism, right? A very, very athletic group that doesn't come around very often in tight ends. This year, it's not quite that so far, 
but Mike Gesicki would have been the most athletic in last year's group. In fact, as Zach Whitman points out, he's the third most athletic tight end that we've seen at the NFL Combine in the last 20 years, behind Vernon Davis and behind Dustin Keller. And what surprised me about Gesicki's athletic profile, yeah, I, I knew he was going to run fast in a 40 because we see him run down the field stride for stride, if not faster than wide receivers. We also see him go up and leap for catches either along the sideline or along the middle of the field. What surprised me was his agility scores. It was his three cone. It was a short shuttle because I'm not so sure when watching his game that when he's running at a safety or at a linebacker and it's kind of those inside to outside breaking routes where he needs to uh, drop his hips and change of direction, create separation that way. That's really his game. But again, these three cone and short shuttle times were among the best we've seen since 2006. It points to him being pretty dang good in that area. And just because Gasicki got a 99th percentile, again, that's crazy. That means just 1%, like I talked about Vernon Davis and Dustin Keller, are more athletic than he is. Not to overshadow Ian Thomas out of Indiana. Didn't have a lot of production at Indiana. Kind of came on strong earlier this season. But he posted an 81st percentile. And he's kind of a smaller one of these tight ends in the 6'3 mold. He had a solid senior bowl week, and we'll see where it goes. Tight ends, you know, it's the slowest developing position in the NFL. Young tight ends rarely produce in the NFL. So Ian Thomas, even if he goes, you know, round four, round five, could be one of those end of rookie contracts, even second contract players that kind of emerges out of this. I mentioned yesterday with Saquon Barkley being in the 98th or 99th percentile, Nick Chubb hovering around the 90th percentile, and then Bo Scarborough is a very good athlete as well. What we didn't have yesterday were the 20-yard short shuttle times for offensive linemen. I was able to get those today. And if you read my preview or if you listened to previous podcasts this week, you know that as much as I harp on composite scores, if we're looking for an individual test at the top, the top tier produces somewhat of a positive projection, a high hit rate. It's a 20-yard short shuttle for offensive linemen and the three-cone drill for edge rushers. There were two that hit the threshold of 4-4-4, in the 20-yard short shoulder for offensive linemen this year. James Daniels, 4-4-0, and Joe Noteboom, the tackle out of TCU at 4-4-4. James Daniels is the center from Iowa. He did not run the 40, but he did a lot of these other drills. And he's a very, very interesting player. Uh, This is now a pro James Daniels podcast and a pro James Daniels Twitter account that I run. Um, And Joe Noteboom is interesting. You know, I, I gave Patrick Wu a hard time who does all the evaluations or part of them for the senior bowl because note boom was on the shrine game roster along with I think it's Colby Gossett from Appalachian state. And those are the two names I had written down as the top shrine offensive linemen. And then I go back after going through the next group and check the roster and they're off the shrine game roster and on the senior bowl roster. So that always happens when watching these shrine game guys that before you even get to watch them, they're already called up to the senior bowl. And Noteboom does look athletic at his left tackle spot, and he certainly didn't let himself down at the Senior Bowl either. Since we now have full profiles on Brian O'Neill and Colton Miller, Pitt and UCLA tackles, O'Neill is in the 97th percentile. Colton Miller is in the 89th percentile. We all know that that's extremely athletic for offensive tackles. And meanwhile, Orlando Brown uh, is in the, I don't even know how to say this, the zeroth, the, the zero percentile. I mean, it's never happened, right? Like 
he will have some of the worst scores we've ever seen of a drafted player, and he most likely goes in round two. So yeah, and, and, and that kind of leads me in the conversation of talking about, well, how do we use these athletic tests? What's the purpose of, of them in an evaluation? I can't tell you that for you. That's you to figure that out for your own process. But one way to look at it, right, in its simplest form, is just to avoid bottom-tier athletes, bad athletes. Don't avoid average athletes, and certainly don't avoid good athletes. But if you keep making exceptions for players over and over and over again by picking and adding poor athletes, then you're going to have a roster of bad athletes, right? So in its simplest form, I think it can be used that way, just to identify the bad, the worst athletes, and kind of just staying away from those. I don't really get into quarterbacks at the combine. I like I explained to you the on-field drills just really aren't my thing. You know, that's not really how I use the combine. Uh, at the Senior Bowl, sure, I'll go through practices and watch and take a ton from that. But right now, how it is for on-field drills, I'm not a coach. I don't claim to be a coach. I'm not, you know, mechanics expert, technique expert. So I can't exactly tell unless it's super specific for certain drills for maybe edge rushers. It doesn't mean a lot to me, so I'm not going to really give you anything on quarterbacks here. It's basically a long way of saying that. And we'll close out here with Shaquem Griffin, the UCF linebacker. If any of you followed my work at the Senior Bowl, you know I'm a big fan of Shaquem Griffin. I mean, we know he has a gregarious personality. Uh, he, he just lights up a room when he talks. But really on the field, he has one of the best motors I've seen in this linebacker class. He lined up on the edge a lot at UCF. And I'm not so sure if that's where he's going to be used consistently in the NFL, if he's set up for success for that. Because, and if we just want to talk about it, like pass rushing helps when you have two hands, right? But that's not to say he can't blitz and be an adequate pass rusher in that area. But I think he can thrive off the ball. It's kind of a run and chase player. Um, if you go watch that Auburn game this year in their bowl game, there were 90 defensive snaps. He was on the field for all 90. Okay. And then if you watch the final two minutes when Auburn's trying to take the lead or come back or whatever they're going to do, and the quarterback escapes the pocket, Shaquem Griffin is the one who looks like he's playing at a different level, playing at a different speed still, despite playing again all 90 snaps. He's an absolutely outstanding athlete. I bet that pops up just like his brother Shaquille last year was. And again, I'm excited to see where Shaquem Griffin lands. I know some teams want to see him as an edge rusher. Some teams want to see him as a safety. He'll probably play all of those and practice at all of those. But again, I would not bet against Shaquem Griffin succeeding at the NFL level. He's one of my favorite prospects in this class. And to, again, finally close this out, since we're getting edge rushers and defensive linemen tomorrow, Pay attention to that three-cone time. Typically, we don't get it until like a couple weeks down the road. I'll do my best to make some phone calls, figure out how to get it tomorrow so I can share with you with those pass rushers. And with these pass rushers going through testing, there's no position that is more important with athletic testing than those front four or those front five or whatever it is um, along the defensive front because that's one of the true one-on-one matchups on the field. So if you have an athletic advantage, then you have a leg up on your opponent to get after the quarterback. So that's it. I hope you enjoyed yourself. I enjoyed myself. I always should mention this at the top, but I never do. Subscribe, 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 and share this with a friend. Just do that for this time. All right? Do it. And 
give me some feedback if you want to. Add Josh Norris on Twitter. And be sure to check out Roto World all day tomorrow for your blurbs and content and everything that you need. So my name is Josh Norris. Thank you for listening to the most important podcast in the universe. I'll talk to you all tomorrow. See ya. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.